Yeah. Um, I really am, interesting like, years. A lot of stuff going on in those. Yeah, years a lot of stuff going on in those years. Uh oh, there was uh there was a little alcove where they were showing. Uh, one of uh, Yoko Ono's films, I think it's just called mm. like film number four or something, uh, sure. but it was just butts. Uh, and I did see as oh. I was leaving where, you like know, like bare butts or like, yeah, it was like okay. butts shot from behind while people were walking, but like frames so that you only see the butt. So not uh, bear. They were not naked. Oh no, butts. bear. Yeah, naked butts. Depending oh. on the shape of the person, you can. And he's sometimes... like, "How are they walking if they were naked?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So depending on the shape of the person, sometimes you are getting a little peek of genital. Um, sure. And so I did, as I was leaving that room, see a mother had to physically drive, her, uh, drag her like probably like 10-ish year old son away from that room multiple times. Uh, just be like, yeah. we're not doing the butt room. Um, yeah. Great, great trip. We'll talk about the more relevant part of the trip in the bulk of the episode. Does anyone want to add something more interesting before I I would love for you to say episode. welcome to Can I Kick It? Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I am joined by Andy Gramuga, Colin Ashley, Emilio Diaz. All right, today we're mostly going to talk about the New York Film Festival, which has just wrapped up, and as referenced in the cold open, I was in New York. Uh, for the the encore weekend, uh, I guess the other the other thing other than seeing movies and the things I talked about uh, that I did was acquiring tickets to movies, uh, which mostly uh, consisted of trying to get the messaging on the Reddit app to work, oh. which I had a decent amount of success with. I would say that's good. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. Do we want to just start off talking about the five movies that I saw, and then we'll see how long that takes, and then what else we wanted to? Sure. Great. That sounds like a plan. Uh, I my my thought was that I would talk about these movies in ascending order of how interested you all are hearing about them which okay. means that you need to tell me what that order is so the well, five can movies the, can i can we get say, the list yep i'll <laughs> say in order the five movies janet planet may december eureka the alessandro alonso film ferrari 
and The Killer. So uh, I think this is going to be difficult because three of those movies I don't want to know a lot about. <laughs> okay. So I don't I, know how we want to do that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll say the amount that I would normally say on an episode where I expect that no one has seen any of the movies. Sure, sure. You know, sure. we'll be, you know, yeah, like I'm going to talk more about like my impressions of them than necessarily like what the movie is. Jesse, sure. Tell us about Eureka. I figured that was going to be first. Top priority for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really liked Eureka. It was. What is Eureka? Yeah. So it was on the like. uh, Sort of the higher priority out of the main slate. And I I didn't necessarily expect it would get an encore screening until it was announced. Only because it still does not have distribution. Which I guess I sort of understand. But like, uh, so Lisandro Alonso's, his last film, Yaoya, was a, he's an Argentinian filmmaker. And his last film was a period piece starring Viggo Mortensen. Uh, and this film is, I feel like I had heard in, it was four parts. And I could kind of see how you would maybe break it down but it felt more like three parts to me uh with the first part uh which was also the shortest i think being like a very stylized uh western uh shot in black and white uh in some ways felt like it was trying to emulate uh like 40s classic westerns uh, but the the main kind of and that stars uh, Viggo Mortensen, uh, Chiara Mastroianni is also in in it, uh, and is just I the I would say the sort of like guiding principle of that is just like take uh, a '40s western and like make it really real and, and not shot in exactly the same way, but somewhat similarly and just make it like really gross just like everyone looks gross there's open sucking and fucking going on everywhere uh and so that i was kind of like all right vigo's pretty good in this but i feel like i get what it's doing pretty quickly and i'm just like sure uh but that that is relatively brief and then I did not know at all that, like, there. so this is, like, a not-quite-two-and-a-half-hour movie, and there's probably, like, a full movie's worth of material in the middle that is in mostly in English and in the, shot in the United States in the present day uh, that is on a... a Native American reservation in... North Dakota is where it is. Uh, that is mostly following uh, a young woman who is uh, a, a police officer for the like reservation uh, police department. Uh, and then also that I never, a, another young woman who I 
they I couldn't tell if they were maybe sisters or just friends or partners uh but uh so the you know the the police officer it kind of is just like this is a horrible thing to do a horrible job that she has to have uh and you can see how like she might have initially uh started doing this job thinking that she could help but just like is not helping anyone and is putting herself into horrible situations uh and then the other woman maya who it kind of shifts the focus to as it goes on uh who is uh i don't know if it's her only job but is a basketball coach for the high school and is similarly just like, I don't think I can be here anymore. This place is just like killing me. And I love the people here but and love my family and my community. But I just absolutely cannot be here. Uh, towards the end, she uh, goes to the police department uh, and goes to the, the jail to visit her brother who's in prison. You don't hear anything about why, but it's... That's a very moving scene. And then that, and that there are, there are, I won't spoil what the transitions are between these segments because I think they're both interesting. But then there's another segment that is set in the Amazon and is a group of indigenous people that then shifts the focus to one that I couldn't even really tell when it was set. I think it maybe went it's maybe back in the 70s but it might also i feel like there was a reference to that but that might have been a during a dream so it might have just also been set in the present that like held my attention a little bit less uh but is still interesting and ends up also about being about uh a young man who's just like i need to uh, get out of here do something differently uh and i don't yeah i i'm definitely still thinking about it will be curious to read more about it but just like my first impression i i quite liked it it a lot of it is really beautiful even when it's sort of trying to be ugly uh it's well performed, I think, on everyone's part. The uh Cara Mastriani's in both the the first and the middle segment. I think she's quite good as the one other like name actor. Uh and then the the a lot of the other uh performers are credited, I think, with characters that are just their names. So I'm assuming they're probably uh, non professional actors. Uh all very good. So I like that quite a bit. Uh, you know, it is long and slow, and I'm, but I'm surprised it's gotten no distribution. I guess it just fell victim to the the can premiere curse in that uh, Close Your Eyes hasn't been able to get distribution in the U.S. either after uh, Terry Fermo bragging about how that's where everyone wants to be it's where everyone wants to be if you want your film right. to be i don't think either of those movies have french distribution either i mean he was right that it has been uh 
propitious for films uh, and their trajectory in France in the past, but I don't think that's even been the case this year. Uh, so sucks that this movie is just like uh, being treated as it doesn't exist. That kind of it seems like there's a few of these at New York every year where it's just like no one else is paying any attention to this movie. Are they like not wanting it to play festivals and New York just has the pull to get it and maybe it'll, you know, it's not the kind of thing that like is going to have a big relaunch at some spring festival, but maybe it starts popping up a little more in North America in the spring. All right. What's next? What is next? I feel like we're moving on to the the movies that will not have Andy asking, what is that, at the very least? <laughs> I, you're right. I'm aware of like mo- who the directors of most of these other movies are, I think. Most? Um, probably all. I forget what all, <laughs> all four well, I think are. you're aware of who the directors sure. of all of them are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, am I forgetting a title? I don't think I am. I don't know. Uh, Someone anyway. just tell me the next thing I should talk about. May December. Todd Haynes is great. Uh, it's great. It's a Todd Haynes movie. Uh, I do think I, I feel like I've heard a lot of people say like Charles Melton is the real like great performance here. Like I like Portman and more a fair amount in it and the their sort of dynamic and uh, just like what they're both doing is interesting. But like Melton is incredible uh obviously with like no one having seen uh most of his prior work uh it is you You gotta get into riverdale jesse we gotta get you into riverdale is who is is he like a a character who i'd know the name of on that or that's a good question is Uh, he like reggie or whatever is he do i i think i know which one that is Anyway, he's he's great. Uh, the the premise for anyone who doesn't know is it's very loosely based on uh Mary Le- Ke- ah, Mary Kay Letourneau. Uh, Julianne Moore is playing a woman who uh was married with children in like the early nineties, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Reggie yeah. Mantle that guy. Is the uh, the Riverdale character. Uh, I yes. held up an illustration of uh-huh. the cartoon. And uh, I, I feel like that's like the third most important male Archie character in my yeah. memory. Archie, Archie Jughead, Jughead, Jughead Reggie. Reggie. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she is. Uh, that this is in the past of the movie. Uh. Uh, start was managing a pet store, hired uh Charles Melton's character, who is I believe twelve years old. Uh, begins an affair with him. Uh, gets pregnant, goes to jail, gives birth in prison, but then gets out, and this movie is set whatever twenty years later, and that first child is in college and. They have twins who are graduating high school and are still together. Uh, And then Natalie Portman is playing an actor who is going to be playing Julianne Moore's character in a 
it seems like it's me it, it's not like at first you're like is this because she's talking well i yeah i in a in a movie i guess i'll just say in the interest of trying not to say too much she is sure. like a television actress the things people are recognizing her from i I think it sounds like her TV show is Are there like some good a, fictional projects. Oh yeah, I believe the that. like big love, TV show TV. she's on that people know her from is like uh an exotic animal veterinary medical show. Sure. Uh but then there's also like very early in the movie they're they're having a barbecue to welcome her cuz they they're be she's like visiting I think it's Savannah where they live uh, just to like get to know them, get to know Julianne more and try to play her uh, as, you know, just like as real as possible. And so they're like having a barbecue to get to know her. And I think very early, you know, one of the first scenes of the movie, uh, Charles Melton, his character is talking just to like another uh guy who's there a neighbor uh and they're just like talking about how this other guy was googling uh scenes of i think elizabeth barry is the character's name uh doing sex scenes uh so it, it she she's not she's not playing like a natalie portman type i don't think sure. it's uh but then yeah it's just it's just like looking at like how are these people still together all at twenty years later? Uh, what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, and Melton's just great. There's there's like a a twenty minute twenty twenty five minute chunk where like there's great Melton stuff, and then in the middle of the great Melton stuff, you cut to I referenced in my Letterboxd review. There is just like one of the greatest seeming throwaway character details of all time that uh, Julianne Moore drops in a conversation with Natalie Portman. Then I'm just like, oh, I guess that's a throwaway. And then that like does sort of become the, in some ways sort of become important. The, the thing about it that I'm like, this is, I, the the Minnesota Twins baseball franchise is uh, invoked, and that is not important, but the reason that they are invoked is important. Uh, and yeah, it's just... Uh, and like, a lot of the... Uh, most of the other performances, you're just like, I don't know who this actor is, but uh, a lot of them are good. Her, you know, they are just like, also still in the town where this happened, so like, her first husband is there. Her son from that. I think she maybe had multiple kids from that first marriage. But the son, who's like kind of a fuck up, is still there. Uh, Natalie Portman like interviews the lawyer who defended her. Uh, it's you know it's great. It's a Todd Haynes movie. Uh, there, it the the score is also like it's a it's an adaptation of uh, a Michel Legrand score uh, for a movie Whoa. that I don't remember the name of uh, that like that there is a composer credited on the movie but he is credited as just like doing new orchestration of that score 
That's crazy. I've yeah. never heard of that before. I, I mean, like. the the other I'm side sure of the happened. wind is also using pre-existing Michelle Legrand music yeah. as score, I believe. I I don't think he wrote any of that for the film either. Maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, but the score is like crazy. It is like this uh, like kind of like soapy score and is like specifically used to like underscore jokes almost it's just it's a crazy movie uh i i have heard people say like it is not camp and i think i do mostly by that uh the use of the score is the one place where i'm like i don't know what you you know it's a great score it's very good music but also the specific way it is used i don't really know how else you could interpret that uh all right Someone tell me another movie to talk about. Talk about Ferrari. Let's get Ferrari done with. <laughs> yeah, let's get... I don't really... It's fine. Uh, the, the performances are all pretty good. Uh, I don't think any of it is interesting. I just don't care. Uh, I, you know, it seems like they shouldn't have been doing that. And... Uh, you know, there's making cars to race with. Is well, no, the, uh, driving the cars really fast and sure. killing themselves, and then also driving those cars just like on roads at one point. There's like a day long race where they, uh, it's called the Mille Mille, I think. I don't know if they still do that. That's the real like they shouldn't do that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people die during the course of this movie. Uh, and it's, it's the, the combination of Ferrari as a company at this crossroads where like, it seems like maybe Maserati is overtaking them and, uh, they're having financial issues and maybe looking to take on some kind of partner, uh, Ford potentially. I don't know if, I have no idea if this is before or after Ford being the Ferrari, uh, and so there's that going on and there's this like they gotta do really well in this race so that they're the car that people want to buy and not Maserati because they're going to be trying to ramp up production after this and then there's him in his relationships uh, with uh, Penelope Cruz who is his wife who they had a child who passed away very young of like a kidney thing, some kind of like disease that it sounded weird for a young person to have. Uh, and then uh, Shailene Woodley, who he has a young child with, who he like most much of the time lives with them. And Penelope Cruz is aware that he is having affairs but is not aware of this and is just like whatever I don't want to know about them and is not aware of this particular woman or of the child uh and so it's just about like uh Shailene Woodley being shockingly understanding of this situation but also being like my son is our son is like 10 years old and wants to know what his last name is. And I don't know what to tell him because you were still not able to publicly acknowledge him because you don't want your wife to know he exists, which is like maybe a little, you know, 
it is, you know, it's interpersonal, whatever, but it's still kind of like, and I'm sure was what that conflict was, but it's still kind of like, this is just like ridiculous. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's fine. Uh, I did uh, look it up in Legrand. It was original compositions for other side of the wind. It is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's just like, I, I don't hate it, but I like most, if not all of man's other films that I have seen more. Which ones have you not seen? Just out of curiosity. There's a fair amount I haven't seen. Like I haven't seen public enemies. Uh, I watched like 20 minutes of Last of the Mohicans and had no interest in that. So maybe that's <laughs> worse. Um, what else haven't I seen? There's a couple others, I think. Maybe not. Sure. Maybe that's it. He's made less movies than Keep. Yeah. Uh, I. Manhunter? I've seen Manhunter. Insider. I sat in a room <laughs> where The Keep was playing and. Sure let it play through uh-huh uh you facing the screen when it was playing <laughs> or was it i i was seated the in the direction of the screen there may sure. have been other screens in play at times uh sure. this you know this was not is that one of the movies that like has a director's cut that makes sense not really, no there's think. like people want one because the, okay. it was like he, right. uh, there was like a like three hour version delivered that, like, like a four hour cut okay the studio was like no and chopped it to bits but there's no like alternate version out there i believe there's not even like a good version of the regular well there's there's a uh, <laughs> there's a scan of a film print that's out there but i think even sure. that is but a little not damaged. not and also there's not a like uh officially available even looking okay no. version of it uh, so yeah, maybe maybe Public Enemies and Last Public of Enemies. the Mohicans are the only ones I haven't seen. Uh, oh, I haven't uh I haven't seen Ali either. Also, really good. It is like the he's not doing interesting things with the digital anymore. It looks pretty good, but it just looks like any other pretty good looking digital movie was my impression. All right. Mm, fair Next movie. Planet Planet. Great. <laughs> uh yeah, it's an Annie Baker movie. It's very much even like knowing what her deal is and that she, you know, works a lot with silence and things that ha you know, less in the case of the play that we talked about last week uh that you know this is more in the mode of like the vermont plays uh and it definitely took me a while to like figure out what she was going for to just like settle into the rhythms of how she is like thinking about film and making a movie uh but it's very good it certain you know i like it a lot it could grow on me uh i also could see her making a lot of movies that are even better uh it is like the the kid is it's interesting that it's called Jeremy yeah. planet cuz the kid is like 
very much the lead. There is not a scene that she is not in. There is not a scene that is not from her perspective. Right. Uh, and it, and like the by the end, she kind of plays with that in an interesting way. Uh, and yeah, it's just like about her. Uh, her name is Lacey, I believe, and her mother, Janet. Who I her name might be Janet Planet. She has uh an acupuncture practice, and the sign on that does just say like Janet Planet licensed acupuncturist. But I. At no That's point good. is it clear that. whether that is the name of her business or her name. Like, you never hear what sure. her daughter's last name is. And even if you did, it could be uh, the father. Maybe, maybe who you plan A. Maybe. It could, yeah, you also don't ever hear it pronounced. Maybe her name's Janet Planet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that. Uh, but it's kind of structured around... Uh, I guess t uh, at first two people who are uh living in their house. Uh, it starts with Will Patton as uh Wayne, this boyfriend, and they're like sort of chapter titled uh Wayne, uh who's her her uh Julianne Nicholson, Janet's boyfriend, uh, and then. Uh, the second is Sophia Caneda's character, I think named Regina, who's like an old friend who she comes across uh, at this, like, she takes her daughter to this uh, sort of outdoors immersive performance, very Eastern Massachusetts, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, but that is also maybe a cult uh, that Sophie Okanedo <laughs> is in. Uh, and then, uh, so Sophie Okanedo comes to live with them for a little while. And then uh, Elias Coteus is playing the director slash maybe cult leader. Uh, uh, and yeah, that's kind of just it. the thing. It's like structured around those three characters and how they interact with the mother and how that affects the daughter. Uh, also around you know, like it starts during the summer and towards the end she is supposed to be starting middle school i think uh and it is just like janet is not a good mother it's like a classic like uh again feel you know i i have not spent time in eastern massachusetts but have friends in uh eastern massachusetts and it's like a very like a parent who thinks that they're giving their child a lot of space and being a very, like, free parent and giving them room to explore and is actually just, like, not parenting. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but it's good. The kid is great. Julianne Nicholson's great. The three sort of uh, interlopers are all great. Uh, and it, it certainly feels like a movie that Annie Baker made. It was interesting to see. I think the full uh, discussion is on YouTube now, and I haven't seen it yet, but they did one of their, like, dialogue things right. uh, with uh, Annie really... Baker and Raven Jackson uh, of All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt. 
uh, and they they were quoting Annie Baker uh, just like on Twitter while it was happening, saying like, "I like writing plays, and obviously did it for a long time, but kind of just like fell into that, and like I feel like yeah. I both have always been more interested in film and also just know much more about film." Which I guess I kind of was aware, you know, makes sense just looking at, like, what the list she wrote for Criterion looked like. Uh, And also... Some of the references in the flick. Yes, for sure. Uh, And also uh, makes sense watching the movie. But it is just, like... uh, It's silly to say something feels like a first film. Because there's all sorts of things that that can feel like. And I don't think that feels like this in a bad way. But it definitely is, like interesting to see her just like having all these ideas and all these influences and just kind of like her first try at figuring out how that translates into a voice as a director of film uh it's just cool and i i you know i like it i'm curious to see you know people really like it Uh, i'm curious to see when more people get to see it it sounds like it's gonna be similar to that showing up slot probably uh and then yeah very very curious to see just like what she does next is she gonna be just like making a bunch more movies does she want to go back and forth uh right yeah because infinite life was like that was the pandemic pre-pandemic show right that that was the show that got like delayed by the pandemic or no well it may have been delayed by the pandemic it the delay i am aware of is that it was going to premiere in 2021 when we were all in new york and i had a ticket too and it got delayed by just like I think the, I think it the, was the there was state, like a surge or right. something. There was like a, there might have there might have been a surge, but it wasn't a surge that like because it literally was going to like open while we were there, so it wasn't stopping right. other stuff. The statement was just like pretty close to opening. We do not feel like we can do this show safely at this time. Uh, and like I don't think studio canceled anything else, and I don't think other off Broadway theaters were at that time. But, uh, so yeah. You know, I've heard um, James Gray and David Fincher on director's commentaries pronounce it Elias Codius. Elias, Co- you know what? I think I heard that too. Uh, maybe very for odd. You. Yeah, Elias Codius. Maybe because I mean, right. you see it, and it's just like Elias Codius is what you think. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you certainly know it's best. him because he's like the other uh, guy who is in it, and Will Patton's already been in it. But he is like, he's sort he got like a big beard. He like, yep. He's looking very like Tom Noonan-y. Uh, sure. Yeah, he's he's quite good. Uh, yeah, one of playing the best, a I real a real lot. type. Nobody's name has ever been Elias. Clearly not true. Yep. <laughs> Demonstrably so untrue. Crash. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I think about all the Maybe time. Codius is right, but it's pronounced maybe it's Elias, Elias Codius. Codius? Maybe. Yeah, because like what it is when Elias is a last name, I feel like that is how I would instinctively pronounce it. 
I guess, thinking about Michael. We got to get him on the pod to ask. Sure. Mm, no, I don't think we should. I don't think we should invite someone on the podcast just to ask how their name is pronounced. Well, no, I mean we would talk about other things also, but like that would be question one. Would be how do you? No, I don't name? think it can be question one. Question one has to be: What do you get from McDonald's for breakfast? <laughs> yeah, that would be fine. How would you say that if you don't know how to pronounce his name, though? You just mean I didn't say his name in that sentence. <laughs> yeah. He would just show up and you would be just be like straight. Oh, I mean, I get right. You time. I guess it would be question one in that it would happen before we, right, would we would start recording. Before we recorded, sure. say, like, was, as we okay. introduced you, we would like to pronounce your name correctly. Can you yes. tell us? You yeah, I guess it would be well. question one. <laughs> would and probably should. how are you would be question one if we're gonna get technical. Sure. Like thank and you. And then how do you pronounce Thank you for being oh, here. Not a question. Then... Well, we would say, is there any particular, we're given some insight, is there any particular way you would like to be introduced? And also, how is your no. name pronounced like, so that we can make sure we get it right? Yeah. And then speaking of David Fincher, his movie's so cool. Uh, it really is the closest. Oh, no. It's the closest movie he's made to Fight Club. Uh, oh, it it literally oh, no. has it had it is it consists mostly of Michael Fassbender doing ridiculous Fight Clubby voiceover. Oh, uh, does he know that it's funny this time? I think he knows that it's funny in Fight Club. I yeah, guess. he knows it's I funny like... to a similar extent to the well, maybe more than. I think it will probably come across more clearly to people than it does in Fight sure. Club. Uh, there's no, it's not like playing in as much, I guess, to like, you know, all the like tropes of masculinity where there, where they, there's no like particular reason why one would interpret it as genuine. Uh, and, you know, like he's listening to the Smith and it. I would say yeah. pretty early that you'll you'll appreciate one of the like first few things that he says, Cullen. There's some like pretty like clear signals of like this is silly. Uh, sure. I mean it, that's the problem with Fight Club is that they're saying ridiculous things and it is funny, but then I think David Fincher at that time is probably taking it more seriously than David Fincher now would. Um. I don't know if he's the person who's taking it. I don't know if he's seriously. the only one, but I think he's definitely... I feel like he's the one who's doing it least. But anyway, and like certainly like Probably. I don't know. Anyway, uh I don't know. Nor you know, Ed, Ed Norton's a pretty inscrutable guy. Uh But yeah, it's just it's very like it starts with this one job that he's on, uh, and then it's just all about the follow-up of that job. And it's also actually structured around uh, chapter titles that are, in this case, not the names of people, but uh, people and just, like, him having to go deal with different people. Uh, so, yeah, it's like... Uh, Swinton, you know, Swinton towards the end is one of these people. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a super genre -y, borderline schlocky. It like it does, you know. I will be curious to see what it looks like on Netflix because in a theater, it does just look like the way that David Fincher's movies in the last 
10 years have looked. Uh, and yeah, does, it's just... Um, does the eye falling down factor into the actual movie at all? No, not at all. No. No. Uh, it does have a, like, sort of... It's much shorter than Fight Club, but it even has, like, a sort of silly CGI opening credits, but it does not feature an eye, the eye falling down, unless I wasn't paying attention when that happened. Uh, you had a long blink during that one? Yeah, long blink. <laughs> uh, I don't think that happened, because I immediately was like, oh my god, he's doing Fight Club again, this is so cool, I'm wrapped in attention. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's great. It's one of his better movies. Uh, I like it a lot. It's just fun. It's crazy. It's just like, you fucking did this for Netflix. This is so much fun to like go sit in a theater and watch, and no one's gonna. I'm still not it. clear how big a release. I, like, I don't so think, I don't know if it's, it's coming here. I guess right. It will, so it's like... opening here next weekend, but it's only playing once a day at Alamo at the different Alamo draft houses. I don't know if that will be what the release. You know, I'm sure there will be theaters that aren't Al Alamo draft houses that are playing it, and maybe other theaters yeah. will play it here. But so far, that is the extent of the right. theatrical they're release giving it in the DC like metro okay area. window like they, and they're advertising yeah, it, it is it's October a... on Netflix no, but, but I wonder if like... it's just like the contract says something about a window but it doesn't say anything about how many theaters it'll play and how many times sure. a day it'll play in those theaters uh it's just like a cool genre I don't know I don't know is it's is there anyone else of note in it besides Fassbender and Tilda, really? Like, well, Arliss Howard. Yeah, Arliss Howard, oh, right. Arliss Howard is of one course. of the other. Um, He's like second build, right? That's really funny. I mean, the, uh, yeah, because Tilda Swinton gets an and. Uh, he yeah. is probably the second most important character. It, it uh, I don't think, because uh, it is just structured around these, I, mostly a single person, I guess. At one point, he's dealing with a couple people at a time. But yeah, no, it is. I don't think any of the other people are like people that I recognized. Uh, certainly, some of them could be. Uh, like it, they are character archetypes where you're like you could imagine the the slightly more famous person that would come in and do this for twenty minutes. But no, I think sure. yeah. It's just good. It's not like great. It's not like one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, it's very good though. Exciting stuff. Yep. The New York Film Festival. Too many yeah. movies coming out lately to this year. I know. Well, I was, everything... like, I keep looking at my list. I'm like, it feels a little light, but then I'm like, there's so many movies that I have. Yeah, but they also like keep not actually coming out. I'm like, yeah. when are they gonna actually? Uh, yeah. Well, this month we get Killers of the Flower Moon, Killer, Anatomy of the Fall, and Holdovers. Is Holdovers that early, really? I believe so. The holdovers, holdovers. Are, no, I thought Holdovers was Thanksgiving. Is it? Uh, it was yeah. on a freaking I don't... letterboxed. What are you? Excited holdovers for is thing? coming out 
it's that's definitely platform doing like a classic platform. Sure, maybe um, it's it's coming out here. Tenth is what it says. Soon, Letterbox was wrong for the first time ever. But it's coming out here pretty soon, and then maybe Thanksgiving is when it goes wide. Um, you know what? There's one other. Uh, There's a limited no- in October 27th. This is limited. Okay, yes, and then I think maybe he- that might be and that's New after York, New York and LA. Then here. Uh, there's one other notable actor in the film. Uh, I can't, I can't remember where this is. Um, there is because it. Uh, there, there's a part of the there's there's a, there's a part in Louisiana and New Orleans and then the a part in Florida. But uh, the the yeah. janitor from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide is in it as Deep South Lounge Greeter Darren Norris. Oh. Well, also, the voice of Cosmo from Fairly Odd Parents, right? Yes. Uh, uh, and like Charles Parnell, who plays his, like, the guy who sends him out, he uh, looks like he's in both Top Gun Maverick and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning yeah. Part One. So he's, I'm sure there's stuff I recognize him from too. He's like a guy, just like sort of military y. Yeah, that's you know in this case. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was googling to see who he was, but now I remember who he is. Yeah. yeah, he's also oh, he's in Transformers: Age of Extinction as the the CIA director. Well, yeah, classic guy. All right, that's what we... I saw at the New York Film Festival. Rousing success move? of a trip. I didn't get in the cold open to the second part of the bus story, which is that uh, I did not sleep at all on the bus home, which lasted from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, and also Jesus. my outlet didn't work and my phone was out of battery for a lot of it. Well, that sucks. Yep. A real, uh, a real contrast to that delightful first bus trip. First one was perhaps the most delightful bus trip I've ever been on, which is the faintest praise I could possibly damn with. And I have some breaking news. The Chacaroni oh Pizza will return to Papa John's for fall 2023. And that's Shaquille O'Neal? Yep. Starting sure. what, what October it, what, 23rd, right. what, what makes it Chacaroni as, as opposed to Pepperoni? It is an extra-large hand-tossed pizza with uh-huh. eight pepperoni and uh, eight pepperoni with extra pepperoni and extra cheese. And instead, it's only it's cut into eight shack-sized slices. Sure, for big hands or whatever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it looks like it doesn't say this in the article that I'm reading, but it looks like the pepperoni also goes like all the way onto the crust. Um. It's really covered in pepperoni. Every yeah. year I'm like, oh, that might be kind of nice. And then I don't or eat it because I never eat Papa John's. Yeah, Papa John's sucks. No offense. Yeah. Fans. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Fast it's pizza. not good. I mean, I. I don't know. Yeah. I might revert to Pizza Hut. I don't know. I've I take it over Pizza it. Hut. And I've eaten those. Pizza Hut no so few times. I cannot comment. Sure. I've never felt good after Pizza Hut. Well, oh, if that if that's here, then they're all tied for the worst. Papa John's, Papa yeah. John's taste bad. Sweet Di- sauce. Oh, wait, good. like people will defend Domino's, and I I understand, but like I feel like fucking garbage after I eat Domino's. 
Sure. Uh, you have to be like, oh, but the garlic sauce for Papa John's. It's like they well, the garlic sauce now. is better at Papa John's than the other no. places. Uh, Little okay. Caesars' That's... garlic sauce is pretty close, uh, but I mean, Little Caesars they do also out, get yeah. Little Caesars is great. That's the clear king. Uh, sure. All right, what else have do we got? Wanna, do we want to talk about landscape with invisible hand, Andy? <laughs> Sure, let's do it. So Cullen and I uh, were like, it's time to watch Landscape with Invisible Hand recently. Uh, and so we did. And we watched it. And we Got talked about it together. Bless you. Um, yes, thank you. Um, we've talked about um, Corey Finley a couple times on this podcast or very early on. Uh, we talked about bad education for sure. This played Sundance this year. Yes. Boy, did and it. To... Uh, to a, a poor reception, I would say it was. Uh, it was the little reception that there was was poor, but I do feel like it was more little than it was poor. Sure, yeah, it was no in there really like talking about this movie. Yeah, it was in there like. I'm so sorry. I'm having a sneezing. Around. Andy just opened um, a pack of pepper. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Keep sneezing. I have to edit this episode. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. Uh, um. Uh, it's I, it played in their like kids section, I think, or their like that true family did audience it? section. Really, I think. I think it did. That's so funny. So funny. Yeah. Um. So it, and and like it wasn't available online at all. I don't think. Um, no. Maybe to critics. Yes. But, um. Uh. Not not for um regular audiences. Um. The people. It's a it's an MGF movie. Um, yeah, you don't want to talk about the logos that came up before this movie started? Sure. MGM, Plan B, and Annapurna. Oh, boy. That's right. It was a, it's a real, like, it, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> just to close this, it, it did just play premieres. It did not play the kids. Right. All right. Sure, okay. okay. That, yeah, um, that is like a real tornado. Just like, what are we doing here? Sure. Um... It is, yeah, and it was that uh, that new MGM logo that translates the uh, the motto at the beginning <laughs> for, for the dumb audience. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so, oh, yeah. God. So, yeah, we've talked about Finley. I I love both Thoroughbreds and Bad Education a lot. Both are in like my top tens of their respective years. Um. This uh this one uh you know had the bad buzz or whatever uh got a very very uh contractually obligated feeling release where mm-hmm. uh they did not uh uh send it anywhere it seems like uh and mm-hmm. certainly not for very long um yeah. and then Though there was uh, i believe there was a landscape with invisible hand poster up in my regal there was a sure. trailer and the trailer is like whoa what is this movie <laughs> yeah it is like it's a very striking sort of like looking object, just like the iconography of it. I think mm-hmm. is like, whoa, what's going on there? Um, and yeah, the book and, is and by M. T. Anderson, right? Yes, that guy's say, has like anyone... a real weirdo. I haven't read any of his books, but he's like a weirdo. I think that makes sense. It's a weird, it's a weird story. It's a little. I mean, it's a little YA. Yeah, yeah. He's like That's a YA weirdo in like a way that even YA people sometimes don't find interesting or compelling, I think. Like, my my sure. mother for a long time was a YA librarian, and I remember her saying about N.T. Anderson, like, this guy, he's just, like, kind of weird, and I don't think I like the way he's weird. That's funny. Sure. 
Um, that wasn't the way she would have phrased it, but I don't <laughs> think she liked him, and she yeah, seemed sure. like a weirdo. And so, yeah, I wasn't sure what I was going to think about this movie going into it. I was like, really, like, I don't, I, it seems like no one's really going for it. Uh, he, you know, but I do love Finley so much and I love, I love his previous work. Uh, and I would say I was pleasantly surprised by it. I think it, like, it beat the expectations that the world had set for it for me. Yes. Uh, uh, it is like, so it's the story of, it's like a, it's a near future where there's been first contact with a bunch of aliens. Uh, the Vove. Yes, the Vove. Who... I've been watching all like that time. fancy Airbnb that's been advertising on podcasts. Maybe. Uh, kind of, actually. <laughs> it's about capitalism. Uh, and so they they've been watching us for some time, but then made first contact and like it's early on. It's like yeah, the 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 governments or whatever didn't know how to react, but the business leaders like saw that there was like opportunity here, uh, and so they have sort of like made uh i would say economic sort of um inequality like way 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 worse in by bringing their technology and stuff here and it's like really like cost a lot of people their jobs and like even like highly educated highly specialized people have been reduced to like being like vav valets and stuff yeah like they're like, like top surgeon who's driving people on the spaceship or whatever yeah um and, and like yeah, and there's like all you know, people you can go to like the above ships that are like hovering above Earth or whatever. Yeah, they're thinking like thinking of floating... Verbo spelled V R B O. Yes, sure. vacation rental by owner. Yes, um, <laughs> they're like floating. <laughs> you know, they look like UFOs, sort of, but they're like inhabited. Uh, what do you call them? Environments, basically, uh, yeah. just huge floating things. And it's like the movie is about this kid who's like an artist who yeah they do a fun thing where it's like every sort of section of the movie is uh preceded by like a new painting and like a title and it's like the paintings are good the movie looks good yeah it's really well shot and really like well i would say it's very well directed i think like i think Corey finley is a good director and i think this is like i i've I've not seen thoroughbreds i remember thinking bad education was good and this is also good and I'm just like, yeah, he could. I think he can make a really good movie. Um, but yeah. and it's like they 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 have these things called nodes, which are like little things you s- stick on your head, and it is like a virtual reality esque thing where it's like, oh, here's like our lessons being projected, and like eventually the schools close because they can do their entire lesson on their node or whatever, and uh, they start. He he develops a crush on a girl. And they he invites her and her family who have been like homeless to live with him and his family. And his mom is Tiffany Haddish. I was just about to ask if there's any famous people in this movie. Oh, yeah. So you got uh, Tiffany Haddish is the mom. Kylie Rogers, who is the girl who drank paint in Bo's Afraid, is the love interest. Very famous. Um, the, The lead is Asante Black, who's in uh that ava duvernay tv show mm. oh Central park five or no not origin um uh, oh Central park five uh, when they see us yes uh he's in that and um and then you've got josh hamilton as uh 
Ooh. the girl's dad and Michael Gandolfini as her brother. <laughs> and yeah. then eventually William Jackson Harper shows up as the main character's dad in a, a brief scene. In a one scene performance. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's like a little bit of it. I said on Letterboxd that it made me feel like I was 50 years old because it's like a sweet movie about this like coming of age relationship. And I'm like, oh, all of these actors are like the actors now in a certain type of movie where it's like Josh Hamilton's playing the dad and like Michael Gandolfini's just in here who like does not have it. I think I said this also on Twitter that we need to stop giving him at bats. And it's like he he does a few things that I think are like funny in the movie just by like how he delivers them. And then there's like a trend that the Vov don't like eyebrows. So for half the movie, he doesn't have eyebrows and he looks really silly. But uh, you don't there's you're not this... rolling out for cat person. Uh, no, I mean, I, I do not want to see that movie. It looks like dog shit. The cat person episode. Yeah, the cat person tacular. Yeah. <laughs> um, tacular this bit... year is going to be so good. <laughs> there's a bit in the movie that is like, you know, so they 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 start dating and like their live streaming their relationship and it's like, oh, this right. is how because people the, live. Because the like, like they're the, online the all have... the time. The Vov don't have like love or like really yeah, they don't understand sexually. Uh, so they're like very interested in human emotions and human art about emotions and stuff. And so they're live streaming their like their relationship experience, which apparently like it not only like gives them the images of that, but also like the Vov can sort of secondhand feel the feelings they're feeling or whatever during this yeah um and so they make money that way that's like how they're like gonna save the house and like pay rent or whatever yeah um is through the money the bub will give them by watching this courtship and that's um, like the first third of the movie is like this relationship and then it falls apart and then it's like now the story is tiffany haddish being in a relationship with one of the aliens uh, because the alien wants to try and feel love and she's getting paid for that and then it's like and then the final section is he like does this huge mural and the vov like want him to come be their like in-house painter and go to all these different galaxies and do these paintings or whatever <laughs> and it's like his conflict with that and it's like like i said it's just like a cute movie and it's got some good stuff in it um i think the performances are mostly good there's a funny bit where like josh hamilton and michael gandolfini are so like put upon as guests and like uh tiffany haddish is like just you ask me before you use my computer and they're like you think we're lower than dirt you don't want us to touch your computer and it's like <laughs> they instantly get so aggressive and like josh hamilton plays this sort of muted aggression the entire time and like people will be me and it's it's realistic because it's like people will be mean to Michael Gandolfini and he gets like pissed off about it, but doesn't say anything. And it's just like, you gotta, you gotta chill out or whatever, like just keeping it mum. Uh, but the star of the show, I think is Michael Abel's score, which is great. Mm. And there's moments, the moments where it like sings the most, it's like very theremin-y and organ-y and it sounds awesome. And when he's cooking, the movie's cooking. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff. I, yeah. And I do like, I think it's like, it, yeah, it, it the the visual language of it is just like really well done it's the the it is like a new alien design that i feel like i had the seen aliens before they they have little like weird like front butts that are like flaps where like at one point that's like they they're having a family meal or whatever and they sort of like put food just sort of in that front butt area they talk they have like little antenna eyes that sort of can look around and they talk 
by like taking their hands and like making like squeaking farting noises by yes. like by you know through through uh with their they hands have, like, and so big paddles and they like rub them together and they're like <laughs> right is their language is funny have yeah the, it's funny have people learned this language there's people that do know it i think uh you can like learn yeah it, there's like but, uh, right one of the things is like michael gandolfini is trying to learn vov and it's like it, okay. impossible for humans yes. to like speak it properly uh and they have like little the the, the most of the vovs have little translator boxes okay. that like will yes, instantly yes. like okay. do the say what they're what they're saying but um, yeah i think it, it, it's a, a small film with a big heart sure yeah I think it's it's worth checking out. I think if you haven't uh, seen it, I think it is like yeah, it's it's got a lot going on. I do think like especially that first third, I was like, and like when it was getting to the end of that story, I was like, we still have an hour to go or whatever. But like it really does like change gears and like become interesting again. Um, and and uh has has a lot on its mind. Perhaps it's a bit obvious or like uh you know uh, I mean basic. it's like. It's YA for children, I think. Like, like right, yeah, right. It's got the were, YA sort of teenager watching it. it, it would be like awesome. Sure. Um, yeah, or and I think, like, or maybe. Sure. I, I think, think yeah. that I think... teenagers are stupid. No, I don't mean it in that <laughs> I, no respect. No one's saying I just that. Feel like it is like it is this. It's like I'm not gonna be like, oh, this is how like a relationship works. Like it's sure. not or like, oh, this is how you get over like your parents, like. Not being sure. together, whatever. Okay. It's like those right. sort of. It, it, it's not like, you know, lessony, but it is like obviously it is based on a book for children. Like I, I feel like you can just pick that up. But I feel like the it, it reminded me of uh, another movie from this year that I thought was good was the Netflix movie. You are so not invited to bar, my bar mitzvah. Where I'm like, this is like a a, a, a good movie for like a kid to watch i think or like a young adult and i'm just like i'm glad that they're making it or uh are you there got it to me margaret obviously is like sure but it's just yeah like, and i think are... like i was also like pretty impressed with like what they were able to do on what was obviously a small budgeted movie like i do think like there's a sure, good yes. sense of scale and the effects and like at the, like the, there's like a big money shot towards the end where it sort of zooms out um on the kid and there's like a bunch of vubs behind him and i was like this is like really like effective and like it's like a big like there's like a lot going on uh w with their with what they're doing with their effects and i think it, it does that effectively yeah so um, i wonder how yeah. are you there god it's me margaret plays to today's teenagers the youth yeah we get to be like, you know, Benny Safdie was in other movies, and he actually was a director before he's in this. <laughs> it's like that's what it makes me that's feel not, like. That's not the the. I don't think yeah, that's anyone's first takeaway from Are You There? What do you mean? Me I'm not, you, you misunderstand me. <laughs> you're I'm just this is what you're I just say right. You're you're. This is how you would try to connect with the to youth with in the discussing that. Well, it's just so. like oh, it's the dad from that movie. I'm like, well, did you know <laughs> Josh Hamilton used to be in old movies too? <laughs> Manchester by the grade. Sea. <laughs> old movies like rapper. <laughs> yeah dead ass let's um, go to the but... new york public library theater on film and tape archive and see <laughs> this is our youth or the antipodes yep. <laughs> which one of us would be the best youth pastor andy mm. 
I imagine he's done it before. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know. That's a good question. I guess, like, yeah. Th- I, I feel like I'm the one who's most likely to buy into religion in any way, shape, or form. Whoa. That's the <laughs> that's the <laughs> You're really going into the pastor mode. Maybe youth counselors. What Amelia was more thinking. <laughs> no, I got out that. of it. I, I knew I knew what I was saying. Okay, <laughs> then you need to talk about religion. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. See the movie. I think. Yeah, check it out. It's on. It's on all like the digital platforms now for rental. I imagine, and it's an MGM movie, so I imagine it'll be on Prime at some point. Um, but who knows when? Yeah. All right. Special presentations. Yep. Uh, I just remembered one that I've been meaning to do for a while and keep forgetting, which is, uh, I guess the general category of uh math videos on YouTube. Uh, I've been spending. A whole lot of time uh in that field uh but i get I, I guess i'll specifically say three blue one brown is a channel that uh does that real well i think is dealing with like uh you know and you know i should say that i i have a fair amount of a, a math background where just because I say something is accessible doesn't necessarily mean that his is that that it is. Uh, but his videos come out to me as uh, pretty like you could understand this if you like basically uh, followed high school math, uh, which might not be true. But it, and and like dealing with like really interesting uh, problems and concepts that are uh generally beyond high school level math uh so i've just been enjoying that a lot uh next week i'll start plugging math textbooks great excited not next uh, week I'll, but by the end of the year i'll shout out the video where a train is pulling into a station and for two seconds it looks like taika waititi the train yes have you not seen this no I'll show you after. It's not, it's not worth it. it. Yeah. Andy, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, it's not worth going into it on the podcast. We're not I, trying I'm, to. Sure. I I was trying to stop that, but then I didn't need to. And now I'm spending way more time on it than it would have originally. So I'm. So the train looks me. like takeaway. All right. Go yes. ahead, Andy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, I get the sense that this has crossed over somewhat, but the, the Vanity Fair, uh, lie detector, uh, interview with, uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, D- Daniel Radcliffe and Lindsay Mendez from Merrily Roll Along, uh, it's really tremendous. Uh, it's so funny and good. They have, they're just so wonderful together. Um, and I think it's really, really nice to see them. And I think the whole, there's the, the clip going around of Jonathan Groff saying, I get wet a bunch. And they're yeah. like, no, Jonathan, say it again. Say it some, say it, say, rephrase that. And he keeps saying, I get wet, uh, is great. But the whole video also is worth, it's like 20, 22 minutes long or whatever. I would, I would recommend checking. Are they out. all hooked up to lie detectors at the same time? Do they take no, turns? No, it's one, they're it's one at a time. Yeah, one me. person and then they get inter- interrogated by the other two. Uh, and then see. there's uh, the, the, the the lie detector reader is just sort of sitting off to the side and will occasionally be like, he's telling the truth or he's lying, um, which is good. They they have great reactions whenever whenever anyone lies. <laughs> and I sent Jesse uh, the picture. Oh. We'll sure. get the live reaction. 
Should should I wait? No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Colin, give, the, give... the train looks a little bit like Taika Waititi. <laughs> uh, Colin, give me a number between one and ten, but not six. <laughs> Three. Okay, my plug this week is the album "Why Does the Earth Give People the Love" by Kyra Jackson, which is this very good like folk rocky album that at times reminded me of the "If Beale Street Could Talk" score. It is by this uh, Chicago-based poet slash musician, Kara Jackson, and it's incredibly beautiful to listen to, so people should give that a shot. All of that. All of our links are in the description. <laughs> yep, you can find Andy's apartment on Verbo if you want to support <laughs> us financially. God, that not, no, you can't, but, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe one day. Um, send us money at coffee, ko-fi.com slash can I see and ESI. Sure. I like to give it the personal touch that it would really be appreciated if you sent us money. It I would. We would love it. We would be so happy. And we'll be more happy the more money it is. And with that, I will release our audience. Bye. 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 I love it. I love it.